This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's 12.03 on a chilly Monday afternoon, January 30th. Good afternoon. Hope you're staying warm. I'm Rob Hart. The use of ChatGPT, the new artificial intelligence chatbot tool, continues to grow exponentially. We'll take a closer look at our next segment. But right now, it'll be a busy week of data and earnings reports culminating with Friday's release of the government jobs report for January. Let's get a preview from Tom Hudson, the week ahead columnist with McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Let's skip ahead all the way to Friday with the uh, January jobs report. And that is another data point that could uh, influence Fed decision making. It certainly could going forward. uh, And it has not yet, because while we have seen a slowdown Uh, ever so slightly in hiring over the past few months, uh, hiring still remains at a very robust level, pandemic or no pandemic. And that has given the Federal Reserve plenty of runway to try to bring this economy into a soft landing by raising its interest rates pretty aggressively last year, certainly for a good number of months. And the idea is to bring down inflation as much as possible. So as long as hiring remains robust, uh, the Federal Reserve will continue to see some uh, some road ahead of it or the ability to raise interest rates even after this week's decision. There have been some headline-grabbing stories about tech companies laying people off by the tens of thousands, but that's not showing up in the weekly report for new jobless claims, which uh, points to what January will probably be another robust month and a whole bunch of them. Yeah, it should be good, right? I mean, a, a print on Friday of uh, 180, 200,000 jobs. I mean, in any economy the United States has experienced over the past decade, that would be a terrific month of hiring and would argue about the Federal Reserve worried about a, an economy that's too hot. That's clearly not the case now at all. What we have seen are big headline grabbing numbers uh, of you know five digit layoffs, right? 10,000 or more at some of these big technology companies, several thousand in the media industry as well. We haven't really seen that spill over outside, a little bit in finance, a little bit in manufacturing. But you're right, we haven't seen it showing up yet in really the data. Fed is meeting this week to talk about another interest rate hike. And it sounds like the pace of the tightening cycle and the interest rate hikes are going to start to plateau. Yeah. Um, uh, if you look at the odds uh, set by the Fed Fund Futures trading at, uh, at the CME there in Chicago, it's almost 100% lock of a 25 basis point increase, very small increase. But I think the small increase is going to send a big message uh, and lots of big questions to investors. Does this signal that the Federal Reserve thinks that its fight on inflation is nearing an end, not over, but is it nearing an end? Is it raising the risk of the Federal Reserve having to reignite higher interest rates in the months ahead if inflation 
sparks back up again. And then is this really the ability for the Federal Reserve to try to regain some credibility with the market, uh, given its uh, insistence for a long time that inflation was um, was contained? And then uh, very quickly, uh, could be a big week for the NASDAQ as far as market movers are concerned. Yeah. All the tech heavyweights will report this week. What are investors and analysts looking for? Bracing, all right, bracing for themselves, bracing for visibility. I would love to see visibility. We've seen job cuts announced by Meta, the parent group of Facebook. We've seen job cuts announced by Google and Alphabet, by Amazon. We have not heard about job cuts at Apple. I think investors will want to be assured that these technology companies have, uh, who have been right-sizing themselves are growing confident in the ability of, their, uh, of, their pay- of the business to support the payrolls going forward. Tom Hudson, Week Ahead columnist for McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Thanks for joining us today. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The increasingly popular tool ChatGPT uses prompts to generate words, text, and reports. It's now being used by realtors. Let's learn more from J.J. Johannes, who is the realtor at EXP Realty in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. J.J., thanks for joining us today. On Friday, we did kind of a, a 101 on what uh, ChatGPT is, and basically it's an application that uses all the knowledge available on the Internet to uh, answer prompts in a style that's indistinguishable from human writing. Now, how do you use that application when it comes to selling real estate? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, first, I would say there's a couple different ways that I use it. One is to help me with verbiage on listing descriptions for properties that I have listed to come up with some of that verbiage to put out there. Uh, it creates the description, then I'll take that and edit it. Another way that I use it is on social media posts that I do. Uh, again, helping with the verbiage, taking that and editing it, and then also generating hashtags that would be relevant to that particular post. And this is another example of artificial intelligence being used, not necessarily to replace a human's job, but to maybe take what you would describe as a potentially busy work off your plate and let the AI take care of it for you. Absolutely. When I look at those items, listing descriptions and verbiage for posts, sometimes that could take me a little while and and coming up with the verbiage isn't always the easiest thing for me to do. So having a wordsmith or having someone come up with that, that I can then tweak and edit, at least it gives me a starting basis and it does take time off my plate and also kind of focusing on and trying to come up with how to word certain things. And and since everybody, uh, if you're in the real estate market or you just like to rubberneck it via apps like Redfin or Zillow, you know how much is SEO, search engine optimization, uh, how big of a deal is that when it comes to uh, selling real estate and making sure that people uh, see those listings? And then how can the AI be brought to bear to increase your SEO? Yeah. Uh, ChatGPT and AI could be used for SEO to help you with keywords that you're targeting on whether it's your website or a post. I see on the social media part of it using hashtags that are relevant to that particular property or that particular post to get more attention to somebody. So it will help you understand versus you trying to come up with what those particular hashtags should be. But on the SEO side as well, if you're targeting a certain market, a certain area, a certain niche, it could help you come up with the best terms there versus you doing more and more research to find that, again, saving you time. How long have you been using ChatGPT? And in general, uh, how much time do you think you've saved by using it? 
So I've been using it for a couple of months now. So since middle of, no- of November or so is when I started kind of using it more. I probably have saved easily 40 to 50 hours over the past, or the past couple of months on coming up with verbiage, coming up with hashtags, coming up with uh, different things like that. So it's helped me on on those tools or on those applications. I'm also looking at how can I use this in other aspects of my business to help me save time on tasks that I normally would be doing. And then very quickly, JJ, uh, chances are we have uh, some uh, real estate professionals listening right now, perhaps uh, driving uh, between showings, and they hear this and they want to start using it themselves. What are some pieces of advice you can pass along to someone who wants to take the plunge into AI and chat GPT? Yeah, the biggest thing I would say is to start with something simple that you do that maybe you struggle with or, or verbiage that you want to come up with, a listing description description as example. But the biggest thing to know on this is the input is determining the quality of the output. So the better input, better information you give any AI chat, GPT in particular, the better the output can be. And then regenerate um, option is there, change the input a little bit and get you that desired result. The first time you put something in, it may not be the results you're wanting. J.J. Johannes, Realtor, EXP Realty in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, prices on some electric vehicles are coming down. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Ford is cutting prices on its Mustang Mach-E electric car following a similar move by Tesla. Let's get the latest from John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. John, thanks for joining us today. We're talking about high-tech vehicles, but some classic market fundamentals here as Ford tries to uh, chase Tesla's pricing power. You're exactly right. Ford has cut the price of its electric Mustang Mach-E anywhere from $600 to $5,900, depending on the model. And there's several things going on here. Ford claims it's getting more efficiency with its EV supply chain, which has lowered its cost. But you pointed out the real reason here, and that's because Tesla slashed its prices, and Ford's got to keep competitive if it wants to keep sales going. Another important point is of the six different Mustang Mach-E models, four of them will now qualify for the government's $7,500 tax uh, credit for buying an electric car which will put the the base price of a Mustang Mach-E to about $38,500, which all of a sudden sounds a whole lot more affordable. And then uh, these uh, the, the price cuts, though, because the Detroit 3 automakers have uh, invested a great deal of money in building up their electric vehicle capacity, the, uh, the, the plants in which to build them, and just making sure that facet of the business is up and running and ready to grow for the future. Does this has the, have the potential to um, affect Ford's business plan in any, any way? Well, you know, clearly automakers don't like cutting prices, you know, if they don't have to. But the what's likely to happen in this case is with the prices coming down, like I said, with the base price being under $40,000, that's going to attract a lot more people to buy these things. So it'll affect its business case in the the fact that it's not going to get as much revenue per vehicle But if it sells that many more, it should be able to make that up.
Just based on size and the fact that it's been doing this for a long time, does that mean the traditional, the Detroit 3 automakers, uh, are they a little more nimble compared to uh, EV startups and they can uh, pivot with a little more grace? No, I wouldn't say that at all. I, I, I would say that what the, the legacy automakers, and it goes beyond the Detroit 3. I mean, it's everyone coming in from Japan, Korea, and, and Europe as well, is that uh, – they are selling piston engine cars, which in many cases, especially if you're talking full-size pickups and SUVs, are making a lot of profit. And that's paying for all the investment in the EVs. The startups don't have that option. They're just pure EVs. So I would say, actually, the startups are far more nimble than the legacy automakers, but they don't have to, another profit stream coming in there, Rob. John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead, a couple of investment suggestions from our Monday stock picker. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. We should learn more this afternoon about Cook County criminal cases involving R. Kelly. Students and staff returned to an East Coast elementary school where a teacher was wounded by a gun-wielding student. The Federal Aviation Administration says it's made a series of changes to prevent a repeat of the recent computer system outage that shut down air traffic. And it's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of ideas from an investing pro. WBBM Business, the markets are lower today. The Dow is down 85 points. The NASDAQ is down 167. The S&P 500 is down 34. We have 13 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies. It feels like two below. At 1231, topping our news at the half hour, Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox is set to discuss potential criminal cases involving convicted singer R. Kelly. She scheduled a news conference for 3.30 this afternoon in her office in downtown Chicago. Kelly faces four indictments for sex abuse in Cook County. Classes are back in session at the Virginia Grade School, where a six-year-old boy shot his teacher earlier this month. Richneck Elementary School in Newport News opened its doors more than three weeks after the January 6th shooting. There is stepped-up security and a new administrator as nervous parents and students expressed optimism about a return to the classroom. Several marked and unmarked police cars were at the school as teachers arrived. One woman carried flowers into the building. A spokeswoman for the school district says two metal detection systems have been installed. The teacher who was shot and hospitalized is now recovering at home. 
I'm Shelley Adler. Hey, it's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red today. We're joined by Victoria Fernandez, Chief Market Strategist with Crossmark Global Investments based in Houston. Victoria, thanks for joining us today. And uh, a, a series of market movers this week, especially with all the big tech companies uh, reporting this week. How do investors basically prepare for what should be a very volatile week? Well, I have to tell you, Rob, that trading around the earnings season can be quite tricky. And so what we typically like to do is take that longer-term approach, uh, position ourselves kind of where we want to be before earnings. And we're not doing a lot of trading in those names right before. And I think you can see today in the market the reason why tech has been doing pretty well compared to the overall market as of late. I actually think it's overbought a little bit. And here today, before we start a pretty heavy week in tech earnings, we see the NASDAQ down pretty significantly about a point and a quarter or so um, today. So I wouldn't necessarily trade right around the earnings component. I would take a little longer term perspective and build your portfolio out that way. What are uh, investors looking for out of some of the big names in tech that are reporting this week? We know they're having a hard time uh, transitioning to a world of higher interest rates, and they've laid off a number of people as a lot of uh, post-pandemic plans have turned to dust. So fourth quarter potentially looks like it's going to be ugly. Um, Are you looking for the actual numbers or are you looking for guidance? No, I think it's all going to come down to guidance, and that's usually what we see when it comes to earnings, because you're right. The numbers we're getting are in the past. It's what happened before. We know, like you said, the layoffs, um, the issues with the interest rates, all of those things we've been following already for the past quarter. So it's going to be the outlook component. But Intel last week did not set um, the bar very high for what people are going to be expecting. And we've seen earnings expectations come down pretty significantly over the last quarter. So there is a low bar for these companies, but it's definitely going to be guidance that people are watching and concern over growth, not just in the U.S., but globally, because these are very global companies. Um, It's going to be margin pressure. It's going to be cloud and what we're seeing um, in the cloud space. So there's a lot of different elements that will come in advertising as well. And let's not forget that some of these companies are getting ready um, to really kind of discuss with the uh, with the current administration and with the government what regulations and things are looking like. So there's a lot of unknowns for the tech space at this point. Federal uh, Open Market Committee meets uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. The, the consensus is that uh, there will be another interest rate hike at uh, one quarter of one percent uh, based on uh, compared to the uh, three quarters of a percentage point increases earlier on in the tightening cycle. What are you looking for when the Fed speaks this week? I think they are going to go with a quarter of a percentage point rate hike. It's what the market is expecting. I don't think they want to throw a monkey wrench into the markets, especially during earnings season. So that should be what they anticipate. What's really going to be watched, similar to earnings where they're looking at guidance, is going to be the press conference that Chairman Powell gives afterwards, looking to see are they getting ready to pause their interest rate hikes or are there more hikes coming? I'm in the belief that we have more hikes coming. The market itself is not truly believing that yet. So we could see some volatility if Chairman Powell um, leads that direction. Victoria Fernandez, Chief Market Strategist with Crossmark Global Investments based in Houston, Texas. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, the FAA says it's taking steps to prevent a repeat of a computer
computer glitch that recently grounded planes across the country. Discussing the news affecting your money, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The FAA says it made a series of changes to prevent a repeat of a computer system outage that disrupted more than 10,000 flights a few weeks ago. Let's learn more from Joe Schwederman, professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University based in Chicago. Joe, thanks for joining us today. And if uh, that acronym was not burned into your brain during a uh, major, during a flight delay a couple of weeks ago, we're talking about NOTAM, which uh, many years ago was Notice to All Airmen, but now uh, stands for Notice to All Air Missions. It is a uh, system that sends information to pilots about potential hazards along the route from weather to fireworks shows. That's right. And no, Tam uh, is burned in our memory indeed after that just uh, terrible uh, eight hour or so outage. And you might call this uh, you know, somewhat surprising. It's the ultimate low-tech solution to the problem that uh, we have this system that notifies pilots of their uh, mission. And uh, contractors apparently had access to that. So a lot of people had their fingers in that. And then one person makes a mistake. Uh, and you can bring down the system, as we saw. So th- this new system, it, it made me smile reading it because it is so low-tech that, you know, Contractors uh, don't have access anymore, and two people have to be around when you make changes, including a manager. So if somebody makes a mistake, we don't have a, a reoccurrence of that terrible uh, couple couple hours. Well, it's pretty amazing that uh, they found a a solution to a technical problem that didn't involve uh, going to a vendor and uh, having a, a high cost uh, software upgrade. Oh, that's no doubt. And Congress is circling, and it, it muddies the waters dramatically because we're having hearings about the airlines and the Southwest meltdown. And now fingers are pointing to the federal government saying, you know, maybe the biggest risk is right here in house because this system is 30 years old. Uh, the backup systems uh, had this uh, one hour delay uh, factor, which prevented. When you solve the problem, you still had to wait an hour. So it really is time to get this modernized. And, and when uh, the pressure's on, FAA can move much quicker, uh, fortunately, here. As a member of the general public, there seems to be a shocking number of instances in which um, we find out that uh, the entire air traffic system or one airline's uh, employee scheduling system is based on old software and that it just takes a very minor oops to create a major meltdown. Yeah, that's what I've been saying, is that the system generally runs better. We have fewer uh, delays due to technology and so forth. But when things go bad, I mean, they really go bad. And we've had at least a dozen examples in the last eight or nine years. We had the the fire in the closet of one of the FAA facilities. Uh, United, American, and Southwest have all had these glitches that suddenly ground the whole airline. And uh, uh, the backup systems are often uh, not well thought out in the sense that you're missing one component of that. In some cases, uh, airplane personnel are forced to you know, have a sheet of paper writing uh, seat assignments on a, on a pencil and pad because uh, one part of the system breaks down. How many airline industry war stories that you can remember of of, ba- of of technological meltdowns or even things like the volcano in Iceland grounding all transatlantic traffic over a decade ago? Is this just my imagination this is happening more and more or it happened a lot way back when and I just don't remember because I was a kid back then? Well, you do have, you know, when things were decentralized, you would have, you know, one airport have an outage. Uh, But things weren't interconnected the way they are now. So we have, 
you know, this case where a whole uh, region or a whole uh, national airline system uh, and, and the FAA came down for the first time really since 9-11. And that just never happened. And I worked in the airline business for eight years, and, and we would have regional uh, crises, but never uh, anything quite like this. And I think what's added to the pressure is that flights are going out so full that in the, you know, in the old days, uh, 100 flights got canceled. You could put them on a flight to later that day. Now there just isn't room, so you get these refugee-type situations at the airport, and that adds to the stress. Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services, Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday, and still to come, our Monday Stock Picker. Nation to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday, and helping us out this afternoon is Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview, the website SenecalCapital.com. Bill, thanks for joining us today. And uh, Stock Picker Monday is usually about individual stocks, but, Bill, they don't necessarily have to be in individual companies. And your your first selection for the week is a fund. It is. Uh, my first selection for 2023 is the Consumer Discretionary uh, Select Fund. It's an exchange-traded fund. The symbol is XLY. And it yields only about 1%, right? So it doesn't have a huge dividend stream, but it's down 42% from its all-time high made in 2021. And if you compare discretionary items versus the staples, like things we always need to buy, it seems to me the staples, consumer staples are beginning to roll over. So um, I just think uh, as, as a play, as a trade, that things are actually better than we think they are. And, and the consumer is going to go back into the discretionary, uh, I don't want to call it frivolous space. That's not exactly what I mean by that. I'm just saying that um, I think that the, the trend for the only the consumer staples, which has done very well since COVID, is beginning to peel back. And we're seeing, I think, an over uh, an overzealous selling in the in the consumer discretionary side, because even Amazon, you know, peak to trough, Amazon was down 57 percent from its high. Now it's beginning to rally a little bit. And I think that, you know, the consumer uh, discretionary side is actually going to do pretty well in 2023, despite so much uh, fear you know, of potential recession. And. I, on the subject of discretionary spending, that takes us to your second stock of the week, which I guess you would put uh, squarely in the category of treat yourself. <laughs> yes, yes, right. We do little things to make ourselves feel good. Like my daughters all get their nails done and they go to a spa and guys like watches. Right. And so like the fossil group, they have very, uh, very attractive entry level watches. It's a little way that you can spend some money and, and a kind of frivolous treat yourself. And I just find that, you know, the stock has, um, you know, it's, it's way down from its high of uh, actually going back a number of years. But it seems like the chart pattern looks really interesting. And and I just think that those um, not even the higher end watches, just the kind of mid range entry level fashion watch is where there's going to be some movement in 2023. I mean, honestly, I'm looking right now at the year to date performance in the retail sector and there's about 350 stocks in this bin that I'm looking at. And I'm telling you, the average year-to-date already, just for January, is up 30, 35, 40%. You know, companies like Wayfair and uh, Etsy, Shutterstock, you know, these retailers that are online, you know, GameStop, Scally's Beauty Holdings, they're all doing really well. And I, because they just, got the, the, they just got kicked to the ground, kicked to the curb in 2022, uh, and even into 2021. So I think we're going to be very pleased um, to find some value in the retail sector, especially on the, the discretionary side. 
And, and we have time very quickly for a, a bonus stock pick on this chilly Monday afternoon. Well, I like Macy's. Uh, okay, coming from Chicago, I'm still a Marshall Fields guy. Yeah, I know, and I, I know. I still call the Sears Tower to Sears Tower instead of Willis. But Macy's, again, uh, it's paying about a 2.68% dividend. I like it uh, trading above $16 a share, so I'm going to use it as a technical spot. But it's trading around $23 a share. And Macy's is closing stores, and they're, they're, they're playing rope-a-dope, you know, by trying to cut their expenses. And I know that there's so much going on, especially in the Chicago area, in the shopping mall community, that makes that, that seem very unattractive. All I can tell you is that it seems like maybe the low is in for Macy's, and I'm kind of positive on this stock going forward, at Bill, least for the time being. Bill Uliveri, owner of Seneca Capital Management in Glenview, thanks for joining us today. If you missed any part of the show, we'll have the Replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.